Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We are here for this week's Friday Morning GM, and we're going to talk about the Ravens offense in 2024, a topic we've been probably putting off for a little bit uh, doing, but uh, we got to the defense. If you didn't listen to that one, it's one of our best shows, I think. I would would advise you to go back and listen to that one. So go down the list. It's about seven or eight ago. Uh, you know, it's last week's show, and uh, uh, Voss did a wonderful job of of uh, uh, bringing his thoughts to bear, and hopefully I've got some things to add, too. But this week we're talking about the offense. And Voss, where do you want to start? Yeah, looking forward to the offense. Has a better uh, long-term outlook than the defense, especially or particularly for next year. Um, why don't we start at – well, let's start at the top. Let's start at quarterback. We have Lamar Jackson. Obviously, his cap hit is going to increase from 22 million in 23 to 32 million in 24, as that tiered tiered up, uh, you know, of the uh, slightly backloaded deal to uh, compensate for the rise of the cap. But uh, don't have a backup quarterback under contract right now. They're both unrestricted. Um, Tyler Huntley is a 1.5 million dollar valuation on over the cap. Yes. Um, I I don't know if he'll resign for the vet minimum, but that's basically what I'd be offering right now. And if I didn't get it, I'd probably be trying to reload with a uh, with a quarterback in the draft. Uh, I've kind of felt that way for a while. And I've also kind of feel like Ravens might be a little bit short on draft picks this year to let a six go, say, to mm-hmm. get that backup quarterback. Uh, Jackson's clearly the guy for the next four years. Uh, but we've also seen around the league what's happened to teams that think their guy will start all 17 games. Right. That's a double-edged sword of the quarterback position. You don't want to put too much into your backup quarterback. Obviously, that lowers your ceiling at other positions. Um, pretty unlikely that you're going to win a championship with your backup quarterback, but you don't want to be knocked out of the playoff race if your starter's only missing a few games because your backup is of no quality. So I'm pretty much in the same boat there. I'd like to see a Tyler Huntley or maybe even Josh Johnson or someone of that uh, talent level brought in and, and go pretty cheap there. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't try and go out and get like a career at this point backup Let's say Joe Flacco was available for whatever year and he were right. willing to come back and do it or Mitch Trubisky or Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor would be pretty good, actually. So that's that's a you know, that's 
if if we're talking about a guy at that level, or, or you'd prefer to have a Huntley or Johnson, really? Who I mean, Huntley and Johnson have really never won anything. Whereas those other I, guys, I think I probably prefer Huntley just because of the age and because I think it brings more on the ground, which has a, a benefit to the to the rushing attack. Um, some of the teams, like the Minnesota, for instance, they traded for Dobbs at the deadline. I don't know if I would have made that move. I think sometimes when your starter goes down, maybe you're better off long-term bottoming out. You don't want to sell that message to your fan base, but you are going to receive a better draft pick. For instance, the 2021 Ravens, I guess they lost every game after Lamar, but they stayed very competitive, even though you know they lost a lot of their high-end players. So it's a balancing act. Um, probably fifth or sixth on the offensive needs list. Okay, right. It's low. Uh, and Kyle Hamilton, of course, was the reward for falling sure. to number or, or rising to number 14, right? To the, where they got it. Yep. Number 14. So, uh, um, all right. Not, not much difference there. We both want to economize anyway at the backup quarterback spot. So uh, let's move on. You want to talk running back next? Yeah. Let's just go right down the list. Running back, probably going to be a point of debate this off season among the fan base. I know some are uh, adherents to the premium position or positional value philosophy and some seem to be kind of anti-position they want to they want to kind of fade that um keaton mitchell i think is going to be one of your main guys going forward very well last few games um they have justice hill under contract for three million dollars next year with a potential of two and a half million dollars savings probably might want to have to take a haircut and then obviously the uh unrestricted free agents gus edwards and jk dobbins so it's, I think you're, obviously it's fantastic that they found out what they have with J.K. Mitchell. It's been one of the big benefits. And I actually think it's a hidden little bit of lemonade and an enormous lemon at tight end that they're going to find some things out this year. But it, but at um, running back, Mitchell was the key guy entering camp for 2024 because they didn't have anybody else under contract. They, they have a lightning in a bottle, it appears. Um, he's, he certainly will be a very significant number of carries. Um, it looks like the guy they need is a power back. First of all, if you're talking stylistically, a guy who's going to carry the rock a number of times. Edwards perfectly meets that description. I guess the question is, what contract would you be willing to go to for Gus Edwards? I've got a number in mind, but uh, but let's hear yours first. As do I. So Gus is making about three and a half million this year, I believe. Um, I think three and a quarter, maybe. Uh, OTC values him at four and a half million. I would go to two and a half. I don't think he's worth what he made last go round when he was younger and also pre ACL injury. The running back market has also um, take, gone down since in that time. Um, and I did find this interesting, like to kind of weave it in here. Uh, the Ravens currently in the 2023 season have the third best rushing offense DVOA ever in history. Yep. Um, and that's with. Uh, not necessarily the most inspiring crew of running backs. And it's really Lamar Jackson. And when you pay him that contract, one of the ways to receive the benefit of it is to be able to go cheap where you can. And we've seen it, whether it was Martin, Marty Warning's offense, Greg Roman's offense, Todd Munkin's offense, a whole different cast of running backs and offensive linemen. Lamar produces elite rushing offenses. So for me, uh, I'd be about two and a half million on Gus or Dobbins or another veteran. Um, really just that's kind of my number, two and a half to three and a half. Get the best kind of guy you can fit get can, and then maybe add a power back 
uh, on day three of the draft as a succession plan for the 25 season. Yeah, and I, I think you're, you, the guy you get in the draft can be better because of Jackson, so I'd agree with that. And the undrafted guy you can get can be better. I I wouldn't even mind like picking through the scrap heap on this. And honestly, while I don't want to do this um, organizationally, what do I want to do in terms of how it might impact the locker room? I think you know whether you sign either Dobbins or Edwards, you know you have a couple of guys in house who might be fighting for the same dollars at this point. And I would not have a problem going as high as. Four million guaranteed over two years, with two million more in the second year. Maybe two and a half million with three and a half guaranteed. Um, so I think we're in kind of the same neighborhood. But I don't, I don't mind one year out for four million. Gus, I, I would pay it. He's been great this year. Um, he's really been a guy who who's been able to run the ball even when the other team knows it's coming. I trust him a lot more to be on the field, um, uh, you know, next year. And it's not a matter of trust the player; it's trust the injury history of the player. Mm-hmm. Um, than I would with Dobbins. Uh, and yet I still think there could be a vetman incentives deal that you work at with Dobbins that, that could also be good, but it would have to be, you know, um, 1.0, whatever, with a chance to make five kind of thing. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything that was above the vet minimum for Dobbins um, beyond the incentives. I agree with that for sure. Dobbins, for what it's worth, uh, Brad Spielberger from PFF put out his top 10 uh, impending free agents per position today. We're recording this on the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. Dobbins was number seven of all running backs. Um, So some of these, you know, fifth best running back last year, I think was below 5 million uh, what he received on the market. So it's a depressed market and the Ravens should take advantage of that. And I think going running back by committee, is a long-term strategy. It's beneficial in multiple different ways. Right. And you, you also, there is something else going on here is you really don't want to have two veteran running backs on the team period. You always kind of want to be grooming your next cheap young running backs. So they need a guy. And even if they get him as UDFA after they signed both say Dobbins and Edwards, that they can have to be their 2024 um, Keaton Mitchell I'm going to first play in 2025 kind of player. So they need to have that guy. Owen Wright, I don't believe is the guy. I think that that, that is um, that ship has probably sailed. But uh, we'll see. That guy may be sitting around on somebody else's practice squad right now. DaCosta may even know who he is and be preparing for some kind of futures deal when uh, uh, those start to happen a little bit later. Yes, I think it's running backs um... – I don't know, you want to burn throw, burn and turn, almost, you know, like you're dealing Texas Hold'em. Just continue that pipeline and not and once they it's you know, rookie contract expires, you really don't want to be locked into too much more. Uh beyond that, it's very few and far between those long term contracts work out. All right. So now that we've alienated every running back out there, where would we like to go now? <laughs> How about fullback well, and Patrick Ricard? Sure, sure. So fullback, um, Ricard is in line to receive a pay bump. From four million to five million, um, with a potential of four million dollar savings. OTC's valuation is one point one million. Um, obviously, that's probably based on some sort of counting stat that may be skewed against his position yeah. since he doesn't accumulate many stats. I was on the fence about Pat. Um, I think he has been able to play in line this season in a way that makes him more valuable. Uh, if the choice is between paying 
Gus or keeping Ricard? Um, where would you be on that on that uh, decision? Wow, that is a very very big deal. I think I would be in favor of keeping Ricard at the exact same dollar amount. Def- definitely, if you're talking about Dobbins, by the way, it wouldn't even be a question at all. Right. Um, Ricard has had his own injury history, and he has not had his best season as a blocker this year. So he used to be, you know, so far ahead of every other blocker as a fullback. Um, a couple of things have happened. One is he's played less snaps. So um, when you play less snaps, and, and if you pick, particularly if you're looking at something like a PFF rating, you don't gain the benefit mm-hmm. of it. Second of all, he's a worse pass blocker than a run blocker, and and that hasn't worked to his favor this year. So I I I, I think he's very important to the offense. I don't think it's a necessarily a really easy position to find the replacement for him. Although they could probably go that way too, find mm-hmm. a defensive lineman they like who moves really well and and move on to that, or even maybe an offensive lineman, even if they, if they, if they had Tyler Linderbaum and he had, he hadn't been, you know, highly right. rated as a center and, but and you know, that guy's available as a UDFA or whatever, Nick Easton or somebody like that, you know, a guy like that um, could, could end up being your fullback. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult question, but I, I'm not even sure I would pay the whole 4 million on Ricard. I might try and get him for three next year or re-sign him for, you know, two years, 6 million kind of thing and see if that would work out. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I think he's a player that you can expect to maintain his level of play for a, new, a few more years beyond, although he has had now two – was it two hip surgeries? Two hip injuries, I think yeah. it's two, but they're not a broken hip Dennis Pitta variety where it's a chronic injury. Um, and, I, and I think I would agree that he probably impacts the uh, rushing offense more than uh, pretty much interchangeable running backs. So mm-hmm. I think I probably would side on the, uh, on the pat – but if you can um, potentially have him agree to a reduced reduction in pay, because five million is a pretty good size cap number. Yeah, but that, that, okay, the, the million is already spent, so it's the four million right. that they can get reduced. And can they get four million reduced to three? That might be reasonable. It won't be four million reduced to two. So right. uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll move on. Wide receiver, tight, tight end. end. What's next? Sure. Let's go tight end. So Mark Andrews, um, his cap hit is uh, rising from 13.5 to 17 million. Um, and then the Ravens are in pretty good shape with options behind him. Both Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kolar are in the midst of their second season. And Travis Vokalek is his first season on the practice squad. So in, in terms of Andrews, I, I didn't actually know this. Actually, was not well, not sure of the exact term. If you'd have just asked me, but it'll, it'll be twenty nine for the season next year, and it, there's actually a five point one million dollars savings if they cut him. Mm-hmm. Now you can't find a Pro Bowl tight end for five point one million. I'm not claiming that, but if the sure. Ravens were in a position, and and the, the other big one is going to come up on the offense still yet, where yeah. there's a savings on a cornerstone contract. Um, we're at kind of a critical juncture for Andrews where we have to find out is, can he still play football? Um, That's that's the first question that's there. And here's the thing. There's a, there's a roster bonus and I believe that'll be paid on the fifth day of the league year, the way it usually is of 4 million of that. So they're not going to have full information unless he returns this year. So if he returns this year and plays in the Super Bowl, they'll know something. Otherwise they probably won't. 
and mm-hmm. he'll have to uh, he'll he'll sit out. So I expect that to be the case. By the way, I don't expect Andrews to be back, even right. though there's been some nice you know little positive things said, which means a decision will have to be made. And this is a um, you know potentially utterly heartbreaking decision for the fans and for for the organization. Um, I don't think I, I can do it for just a $5 million savings with how important he's been to the offense and how important I still think he is with the relationship with Lawrence Jackson. And I'll add one more thing. If you're thinking of cutting Beckham, and I don't think Beckham may or may not be reasonably inexpensive to sign this next year. Uh, so that may, the decision may be made for us. But if you're thinking of cutting Beckham and you cut Beckham and Andrews in the same year, I don't want to think about what that'll do to Lamar in terms of, of how he views sure. the organization. Yeah. Sure. So worth noting, even with your saving five million with a, a release or a trade, um, you're losing twelve million in dead money, which is already spent. But worth noting, what what is the ratio there? He's Mark is currently the sixth highest paid tight end in the league, which is a relative bargain, uh, considering that he's probably the third or fourth best tight end. And as far as pass catcher, because the tight end market is depressed in comparison to the receiver market. I think it's a good value. Um, certainly the chemistry with with Lamar is another uh, reason to want to keep him around. Um, the way he carries himself, I think he brings a lot of really good intangibles to the locker room. So to me, this is one where I think you want to keep your fingers crossed that he has a pretty speedy recovery and it's not a, a long-term injury. Yeah, I think, I think that's where we have to be. You know, one of the things people don't understand just how, for how long and how – how these these two careers have run on parallel train tracks between uh, him and uh, and Jackson or on the same track, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say is uh, intertwining. But they both came into camp as number two team players in 2018, and they got very comfortable with each other right away. And one of the things you saw is it, even 2018 was that Jackson did two things a lot at camp. He ran the ball, and I'm like, what is he running it for again? You know, he's got to got to learn to throw the ball at some point. And a lot of his throws went to Andrews. And since then, now we're five years later, and everything goes to Mark Andrews still in camp. It's, it's mm-hmm. the weirdest thing is you know he's got multiple receivers, but he just he, he's, you still see the connection with Andrews um, there all the time. And if the if the defense for the Baltimore Ravens can't even figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews with ones versus ones, you know, I I just don't know how you how you subjugate that you know, value that he brings a team. Agree with everything else, by the way, you're saying in terms of the fire, the intensity, and the being a good locker room guy. You've never seen, you never hear one bad word about Mark Andrews in terms of, no. of uh, uh, things he said, or, um, you know, sometimes with, with players, there's guys who just are, are a little bit big mouth and occasionally will get themselves into trouble. And Marlon is hilarious. He's a mm-hmm. great guy. I don't think any of it is malicious, but he can occasionally say something that's a little stupid yeah. and, 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 you know, it, it comes out and he's very active on social media. Uh, Mark, not that kind of player. And no. yeah. You know, so anyway. Yeah. I think he's a cornerstone player and if he does not recover and he's not the same player next year, then I think you take a look at Tim going into the five, next, the 25 off season. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but at this point, I think any ideas of trading or releasing are premature. And uh, just, of course, this is the first significant injury he's really had. Um, he's had some some lingering things, a shoulder injury, I think, in 2019 and some other items. But, um, you know, hopefully this doesn't become a, a Ronnie Stanley situation. It's something he can rebound from quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the it's not the same we hope 
as far as a chronic injury that Stanley has had or that Dennis Pitta had. Now, Pitta was a hip, so it's a different situation. Right. But the Pitta situation, they tried four or five times to re-sign. It seemed like this. It's probably not that extra that minute. To alter his contract to see if they could keep him around at reduced rates and give him a chance to come back yeah. and whatnot. But the writing was on the wall a long time before. And you know, from an injury perspective, they're going to have to be ruthlessly – um, centered between optimism and, and pessimism on looking at this. They, they, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge component of the cap and they've got to figure out whether it makes sense or not. And I think it's honestly, it's less of a, a case for 2024 and more of a case for 2025 when there's $11 million savings for cutting him. And they'll need that for the increase in Lamar Jackson's pay. Right. Agreed. Just to, on the topic of Dennis Pitta, they actually gave him the first extension after he broke his hip the first time, which was probably a mistake on Ozzy's part mm-hmm. because he was made him, I think, he was top five or at least top ten highest paid tight end. And then they did some some restructures and some pay cuts after the second one. And then they ended up doing the same sort of the same thing with Nick Boyle, where he was just off the surgery and they extended him a year. Um, so we need to be careful with t- injured tight ends. But uh, so do you think that they need to address tight end in the draft or you think that the, the three young guys plus hopefully uh, uh, healthy Andrews is good enough? Well, this is why there's a little bit of lemonade in this gigantic lemon is that, you know, they are going to be forced to find some of these things out. And I would be in favor of you know, first elevations, then a roster spot for Vokalek, because I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he'll be signed away from the Ravens. And by the way, for those of you who don't know about, about um, practice squad signings, the first thing you have to do is you have to sign the player and you have to you have to agree to have him on your own active roster for three weeks. So there's a, a lot of teams just aren't looking to do that. But if somebody had mm-hmm. a tight end need and they come to Vokalek and they say, hey, look, we've got an opportunity here. You don't want to pass this up. The Ravens will still have an opportunity to um, also – elevate Travis. And I think the the situation here in Baltimore with a tight end centric offense in a lot of ways, especially when I it's not as tight end centric as it was with Roman, but it's still more than a typical team in terms of being tight end centric. And how much they value run blocking and whatnot. I think Vokalek might say, you know, I'm going to be more valued here. Let me stay there. That's only a three week guarantee I'm getting from this other team. And I think he stays. Um, so anyway, the, the that's the that's the good news. So if I think they'll have three practice squad elevations unless they decide they need those some at some other position, in which case they might go early um, to extend it. But you look for the last couple of weeks, the Ravens haven't had I don't think they've had two practice squad elevations now in like it might have been three of the last four weeks. So they've been happy one or zero. Yep. They had, I don't think they had any two weeks ago. It was Josh Ross was the only one last week. And then I think before that, it was uh, Kevon Seymour before he got nicked up. Right. Um, yeah, they, they're, they're – well, it's interesting, the inactives and how that how that counts and who's who's healthy enough to play and who's healthy enough to dress. I wouldn't guarantee – I wouldn't necessarily think that Vokalek will be um, elevated, you know, necessarily the next three games in a row. I think it's going to be more game plan specific – and maybe they save some for it, – it depends on the game plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they essentially have three tight ends with Ricard still, and that's still you know enough to run 12 personnel when you need to. Yeah, that's true. They, so they, they, they can do that. Um, and, and you know just this last week, they did something that I do not get at all, and that was to deactivate Broderick Washington for a game. I still haven't heard an explanation of that. Was he sick? 
was he, you know, just unavailable for some of these, or was this a healthy scratch? Harbaugh intimated that it was based on their expected game plan from Cincinnati that they were going to be pass heavy, um, and they thought that I guess Jalen Armour Davis or whoever else got the final activation would be more uh, beneficial. And um, yeah, that was you know on the on the couple hours after we recorded the defensive show, which was uh, definitely interesting. So. Mm-hmm. Not to, you know, you give a player an extension, you're not expecting to deactivate him. You're, you're figuring that Brent Urban, a, a veteran, uh, you know, player who's only can give you about 15 snaps a game, is going to give you more impact than Washington. That's not really a good sign. No, it's not a good sign at all. And they both, as you as you're kind of intimating there, they're both kind of five techs in a way that, that Williams, a guy who'd knocked down a lot of passes last year. And that was one of the reasons he ended up getting the extension, right player, mm-hmm. right price between him and Matabike. Um, they might have gotten the wrong player, um, even if it was the right price. So, uh, I, so we'll see. Oh, and then again, I mean, Travis Jones got an extra about ten or fifteen snaps that game, percentage-wise, compared to what he had been. So, we'll see how it shakes out. If you, if I, I'm, I'm going to make a distinction here, I think this is actually important. I never, mm-hmm. never, ever want to go with four defensive linemen active for a game unless there's a damn good reason, and in particular on this team. It's more egregious than in past teams. They did it they, in the opening game of the 2019 season. They went for, with four defensive backs, sorry, four defensive mm-hmm. linemen. And I said, you know, Miami may not be set up to run power football, but I don't know why we want to test that because, you know, you've got a few ways you can lose the game. But if, if an injury at defensive line on opening day in Miami, you know how freaking hot that's going to be, yes. is going to is going to basically sap your defensive line. That's one of the ways you can lose that game. Of course, the Ravens went on. They won 59 to 10. No problem. So, uh, But I, I never like to see that in terms of having only four active. And this team in particular does not have any outside linebackers who kick inside. So they don't have any relief on defensive line snaps that they can look to. Um, they were perfect, by the way, in terms of making it work. I think that the, the, the fact that the Ravens are able to really dial in very closely in terms of what they want to give up on the ground and what they expect to get from the area on on it. And so far it's worked out basically perfectly that, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, sure. They allowed four and a half yards per non um, uh, non kneel this year, but they've also allowed 4.18 yards per pass play. So stylistically or schematically, they're making a choice on, on how they want to play. And and that the choice, if you want to make the argument that you can get, get by with four, I still probably wouldn't do it. I'd still probably want the rotation when you're playing 2.18 um, mm-hmm. defensive linemen per snap. And uh, I just, I'm even, even if, even if with Cincinnati, you're going to play two, the problem comes that each of those guys has to play an average of 40, 40% of the snaps. And then you, you might play extra snaps if they get, they get their running game going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I really don't like it, but anyway, it, it, I, I don't want to go no, too I agree. down this road, but. I agree. I mean, we were kicking, kicking around the idea of going to a sixth defensive yes. lineman. So now they go down to four, and it's definitely an eyeball raiser. But uh, let's reel it back. And uh, I think we pretty much covered tight ends. Um, I think we should probably move on to wide receiver. Uh, now, this is a position where I do think is one of their primary needs uh, heading into next offseason. And I would say they, pro- they might even need two. But the, the, for the breakdown, Zay Flowers obviously entering his second year. Rashad Bateman entering his fourth season. And Tylen Wallace will be a restricted free agent. And then uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is unrestricted, Mm -hmm. as is Nelson Aguilar and Devin DuVernay. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously that's a lot of um, guys who've done some receiving for you in the past. 
who will be moving on. Um, let's let's start with Bateman because I think he's the pivotal figure here. It yes. is he, he's entering year year four, and the Ravens have to make a decision on his fifth year option, which is no decision at all because it's fourteen million dollars to pick that up, and ain't no way the Ravens are playing fourteen mm-hmm. million. I I it's maybe not completely impossible if he played through the Super Bowl. And suddenly, you know, stood out in a role we have not yet seen at you know six catches a game so far. I don't really believe that's going to happen, even though I think he, he could improve significantly. So I think the Ravens are at a point where they really ought to try maybe during the rest of this season. Um, and they can't do it during the rest of the season. It's, it's they can first negotiate with him at the end of the year because it's three years. Right. So they they have to wait until the end of the year to negotiate with him at all. But at the end of the year, come up with a um, a contract that makes sense. Uh, that keeps him in Baltimore maybe another three years. And and I I really I don't have a firm idea of exactly what that number would be because definitely gonna be significant. Um but uh maybe I think these go ahead, I'm sorry. I was gonna say maybe maybe three for thirty, um, which which is with some backloading to the deal, so it's not all guaranteed up front. I'd like to see Bateman prove that he can stay healthy and <laughs> prove that he can be um just generate some more volume before going into $10 million a year uh, personally. And I think these next uh, five games or six games without Mark Andrews is really his prove it time and, and yep. to earn even the consideration of an, of a long-term extension. Uh, not that I'm down on the player at all, but he, he needs to prove it. This is, this is prove it time. Now I completely agree with you, by the way. And I just can't even imagine the locker room these next few weeks. Cause first of all, they're going to play teams against quality opposition you got a lot of different receivers who want the footballs always. So Beckham's going to say, hey, look, I'm just coming into my own. This is my chance. No Mark Mm -hmm. Andrews. Give me the football. I can do a lot of things to fix these teams. And he might not be wrong that he should be getting more targets based on what he's done so far this season. Nelson Aguilar has gotten 10 yards per target very quietly for the Ravens and is their most productive on a per-snap basis. Beckham is, 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 by the way, also back, I think it's 7.9 yards per target right now, which is surprise, mm-hmm. shockingly high for him at this age, frankly. I mean, he's had some big plays the last few days and the last few yeah. weeks. Um, and then it, it doesn't extend just to the wide receiver group. You've got two tight ends who are saying, look, we're finally out from Mark Andrews' sh- shadow. Give us the football. And maybe Kolar has no particular um, claim on that, given you know what's gone so far on in his first two seasons. But Isaiah Likely... He's got to be just chomping at the bit to get an opportunity right now and and prove that the Ravens should you know think about him long term, build him as more of an offensive weapon this next year. But I, I think it could, could get pretty chippy these next few weeks, and and I really would hate to see a situation where the Ravens are winning and it stays chippy uh, among guys who really clearly want the football more. It seems that Bateman is probably the player that that's most at risk for that type of. Just kind of reading his body language and some of his comments, Beckham has been pretty much, uh, I'm here to, to win for the team and I'll take as many targets as, as coming to me. And I'm not saying that's necessarily how he is, but he's saying the right things. Um, and Tyler Wallace is another guy too. I mean, he really hasn't got an opportunity True. very much at all. He, I believe, played two offensive snaps last week compared to Duvernay's zero. So that was maybe a little bit of a sign. Or do we want to see what we have with him? Or is he? Did he surpass Duvernay on the depth chart? Um, a lot of moving parts. Uh, hopefully, they continue winning and the, and the players all continue putting the team first. That's a great point on Duvernay as well. I mean, he's he's basically, I don't see another way he's not leaving town. And he's been very effective for the Ravens as a return guy. Somebody will want him. 
uh, in that capacity and probably want him as a gadget guy where the Ravens have not used him very much this year as opposed to using him a lot last year. So um, I, I don't think Tylen Wallace, you know, based on how his career has unfolded, can can look at himself as anything but an NFL survivor possibility now where he, he plays another four years on special teams for some right. team that really values that. So I, I think I, I think he's the least likely to say anything. I probably agree with you that Bateman would be the most likely to say something, but also the dynamics so far has been Bateman getting two and three targets per game and Beckham got seven in this last game. Mm. That's the reason he, you know, you, you, you right. can't judge this thing. And I, I've got a kind of an anal- analogy from real life is mm-hmm. when you go to Las Vegas, you meet more weird people in a week than you do in a year easily back home. <laughs> and, 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 and the, the reason is, first of all, you're meeting a lot of people because you're, you're at the craps table or at a table with people. And then the other thing is it's the stress. So it takes stress a lot of times to bring out the worst in people. And, and you can you just see this kind of behavior and people upset and drunk and whatnot it's, sure. it's 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 one of the entertaining things and and sometimes very sad things about going to las vegas to see these people with, with you know breaking their own lives but i'll tell you this in terms of of um beckham he hasn't been tested yet in terms of a bad situation where he's not getting the ball at all and what he might say in the situation i think that that he doesn't mean he's to but he could end up being a lot worse than than where he is right now Right, right. Well, just to put some numbers on these unrestricted free agents, according to Over the Cap, they have uh, Beckham valued at $3 million, so certainly not necessarily getting your money's worth there. Uh, Aguilar also at $3 million, and then Duvernay at the vet minimum. So uh, based off of what they've done so far this season, I would be okay with Beckham on a reduced rate, certainly not for $15 million. I do think he's had a positive inf- influence. I think he does bring some intangibles that are uh, – Maybe not uh, presented in the stats. Um, what, what would be your number on Beckham? You have what you have anything in mind? I don't think it would be anything that would interest Camp Beckham. Um, if what would I do? Is it like one year? Mm-hmm. One year. Maybe seven million plus incentives. Yeah, okay. it's about fair. I, I'd be I'd be about there too. Um, yeah, uh, at some point he's he's got you know might not interest Camp Beckham, but if no NFL teams will want to pay you fifteen million dollars when they're only you know recording six hundred yards or eight hundred yards in a season or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, so, and, uh, and if you think Beckham's going to get to eight hundred yards. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> Well, he had a good one last game. What do you have? 116, and now no Andrews. So maybe you figure he's going to be more in the 60 range going forward, but who knows? Yeah, 374 right now with six games to play. So it's not impossible. I mean, he could pick up another 400 yards, I guess, and get to 800. Um, There's there's definitely, there's a lot going on in that. He's probably now a reasonable bet for the over. He has to average about 35 yards a game to beat the Las Vegas over, which is 580 at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the year. If well, depending on his health, and his snaps have been reduced greatly the last two three weeks, but he led the team in targets last week too. So it's more of a you know saving him for certain moments. Um, Aguilar, I think, has been a pleasant addition, a good addition. I don't think any of these players were looking at longer than a one year deal, but I wouldn't be opposed to Aguilar um, on a smaller deal. 
or even DuVernay. If, if he's willing to take the vet minimum, I do think he brings something to the return game. So essentially, I think you definitely want to be at least six deep, six deep at receiver. And I think you want to have four starting caliber players. I taken some heat from that in previous years, pounding the table for that. And people were saying, well, this is Greg Roman's offense. You don't need that. And then when Bateman went down last year, they certainly needed it. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the analog to the cornerback position where you need four guys. You have three on the field. A lot of times you need a good backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'd even, I'm even nervous when your fifth guy can't play corner. And I, I, I would agree. Um, what they've done with Monken um, is, is, uh, Good in terms of, first of all, rotating the receiver snaps. Um, and I think reducing Beckham's snaps was a very good thing in terms of keeping him fresh. We've seen that at the, at the end of some games here. Um, looks to generally be healthy, but that, I don't think that means you you assume that at his age, he's going to be playing um, anywhere close to 100% of the snaps. So um, it, it could be a, um, a reasonable uh, choice to keep Aguilar as well. He's 31 next year. Whatever he's going to get, is going to have to be pretty close to the minimum. And there may mm. be somebody else who really looks at the last four years for Nelson Aguilar, and it really tells a story. Like, went to Baltimore, played with Lamar Jackson 10 yards per target, was in hell in New England the previous mm. two years, where he averaged about seven net yards per target, actually 7.1 over two seasons with Mac Jones. And then if you look back at his time with the Raiders before then, he had 10.9 yards per target. So while he's been near the bottom of some metrics the last couple of years prior to coming to the Ravens, he's looked like a different guy here. And, um, you know, the, the one thing, the reason I like him for the Ravens probably a little bit more than other people do is, um, and I really, really didn't like the trade. So I'm upfront about that. I, I hated the trade. I hated giving up a sixth round pick for, for a veteran mm-hmm. like this. Um, but I did, I did, uh, sorry, the signing, um, the, uh, Compensatory pick, just just so we're clear. Yeah, yeah. compensatory pick, exactly. So, uh, yeah, they, they offset the, uh, the Josh Oliver pick they were going to mm-hmm. get, which would have been a six round pick in twenty four. Um, but anyway, the, the I really didn't like the the, uh, the the pick exchange there. But he's been much better than the Ravens could have expected, and the way in which he's being better that he extends plays well is really good for this team. So we've seen it for Bateman, we've seen it from from uh, Aguilar. Um, don't know that we've seen too much of it from Beckham, but we've probably seen a little bit and we're, sh- we should really figure out these next few weeks. Cause it, over say next, next six weeks, there should be close to 20 extended plays during that period where we'll get an opportunity to see who's Lamar's new guy. Right. And maybe it's flowers. Maybe it's somebody else. Sure. And for what it's worth, again, Spielberger ranked Beckham 11th out of all receivers, um, coming up on free agency. So just, you know, looking forward, Flowers is essentially your wide receiver one. Bateman is essentially your wide receiver two, but maybe for the short term, not the long term. I think you would probably want to keep one veteran or maybe add a different veteran, which somewhere in that, you know, less than the 10, 10 million range, even if it's – and then also draft somebody on day two, ideally, would be yeah. where I would want to draft. Did a little bit of look research into this a couple years ago. It's a little bit outdated, but the hit rate um, in the top 100 on receivers was significantly, significantly better than after the top 100. It is a coveted position, and not a whole lot of game breakers fall through the cracks at that position. 
Well, the Ravens have, you know, you, you do have a good amount of testing of those guys in college because a lot mm-hmm. of them are brought in. They're very metrics based when they come in. It's not like defensive tackle or some offensive line positions where you learn your craft over time and you can become a lot better than you than you were. So I, I agree. That's it's, it's something that, um, you know, they probably have to go a little higher in the draft. I will say this. Offensive tackle is, is by such a wide margin the number one need of the Baltimore Ravens. There's no way that they could ignore that with pick number one. And that leaves them with two selections that they can they can try and pick up a wide receiver. And there are a lot of pigs trying to get attached to that nipple in terms of, yeah. of uh you know where that needs to go. Yeah, well, that's uh positional value theory uh exemplified right there you're going into a draft you need a corner a tackle and a receiver and those are coveted positions Uh, right well and it seems like every year they're like we need a pass rusher i mean the outside linebacker an offensive tackle wide receiver and then you take a linebacker and a and a running back or something and then the next year you just repeat the cycle um and i agree with you well let's let's break down the offensive tackle because i had a question as far as or maybe i'll just ask you now i'm in complete agreement with you that offensive tackle left tackle in particular is the uh, largest need how much are you willing to stray from bpa or potentially trade up a little bit to ensure that that need is filled because i i'm a proponent of bpa but i don't i think it's should be followed more strictly when you're a little bit further away from contending and i think need becomes you know an extra 10 percent when you have one specific hole. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, it's a good year for tackles. So there, mm-hmm. there'll be some a fair amount of depth in that first round. Uh, one of the problems for the Ravens is going to be if they're drafting in the 20s, and that should be where they are unless they miss the playoffs somehow, uh, or unless they win it all and they're drafting at 32, say. Um, the Ravens will be a skeet shot target for losing that draft pick by trade up to another team. So they need to be very careful about that. So, um, you know, the the big, the one they lost is the biggest one ever was they drafted 29th in 2007. And um, the two guys who were on the board at, at, well, the guy who was on the board at 28 was, was Staley. The guy Mm -hmm. guy was a long-term San Francisco left tackle. He would have been the answer for a decade after Ronnie Stanley. It would have been perfect. He would have been the perfect Mm -hmm. player. Um, but it turned out um, San Francisco traded ahead of the Ravens. Uh, I went berserk. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then the Ravens drafted Ben Grubbs in the next, uh, with the next selection. Grubbs is a good player, good value at 29, as it turned out. But, um, you know, he's not the kind of, that's the kind of player you want. Um, ideally, you get, you get a guard you think highly of in a lower round. Sure. Um, and then they, they also had Marshall Yonda competing for, the, for basically the Grubbs slash Yonda money. Uh, when that when that became due, so uh, it was it was a tough tough call all the way around. I, I know Mike Preston for a long time was still claiming, and this is after he's at New Orleans, was still claiming Grubbs was a better offensive lineman than uh, than Yonda, which I've always found funny. But Grubbs only lasted two more years, three more years, right? He went to Kansas City, I think, and then his career was definitely not nearly as long as Marshall Yonda's. I know that for a fact. Oh yeah, oh. or or as good, honestly. The, the only thing, that no, was, yeah, no, not not even. So three years in New Orleans and, and one at Kansas City finished in 2015, and Yonda finished in 19. Was it? He was he was done after 20. the. He played. Yeah, he 20. played the 20. Yeah. Okay. He played 20. All right. That was that was one I'd, I. Nope. 19. He finished. He finished after that horrible Tennessee. Game. Okay. 
That's yeah. right. After yeah. Justin Simmons uh, spit on him, Jeffrey Simmons. He caught a touchdown this week, by the way. On the topic of draft and how the draft looks, I just thought this was interesting. PFF put out uh, their top 100 big board, certainly a long way to go, but there are six offensive tackles they have first-round grades on compared to only two defensive tackles, uh, just because we were talking about the scarcity of defensive mm-hmm. linemen last week. And there are also another seven uh, – Day two or offensive tackles they have in their top 100. So it's a good class. uh, What is that? 13 in the top 100 and six Mm -hmm. in the top first 32. It's a pretty good class. And let's uh, let's move on to that because that's really what I think a lot of the the ink is going to be spilled this offseason is going to be on offensive tackle. Ronnie Stanley, 23.5 cap hit this season, expands to 27, sorry, 26 next season. With the potential of eight million in savings, let's just go one by one. I guess let's go sure. with Ronnie first. Um, I mean, the, the reason why they would not uh, cut Stanley next year is not really about Ronnie Stanley. It's about the barriers to getting a new left tackle. Ronnie Stanley has played poorly enough to be cut this year. That's the sad truth. Is he's, um, you know, I, I I love the guy. I you know I've I've loved the draft pick since they first made it. I thought they got the right guy relative to Tunsil. That has not completely worked out, obviously, in terms of of uh, health and and reliability of him. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it is is a case where um, Ronnie has uh, been a terrific player. And I thought, you know, basically when he came back um, from his injury in his very first year, and he and he played well for about eight games. Um, I thought, well, needs seven more years of that, and he's in the Ring of Honor. Basically, is right. is, is what I'm thinking. And he he played very well through 2019, but the the injury has just messed him up like nobody's business and and it's not a knock on Ronnie specifically but I I think he's he's probably playing through still a lot of pain right now and I have to imagine it's not just a one-sided fear here they didn't extend him because there's a possibility he might retire yes well I think it's certainly possible it's not just the ankle now he's had a shoulder injury this year he's had I believe two separate knee injuries I don't know if it's the same knee uh, he just seems – it just seems like a matter of time every time he's on the field where he's going to get hurt. He can't seem to anchor, which is causing him to get rolled up on at a high rate. Mm-hmm. As the old adage, you know, availability is the best availability. At this point, you know, we haven't seen the last stretch of the season yet, but at this point, I think I would take bite the bullet and uh, and release him and, and take that $8 million and put it towards the solu- a lo- more longer-term solution there. All right, so you – the, the interesting thing about this is you don't really put that eight million towards a long-term solution. That you put that eight million towards some other position, and you use draft capital right. and most of what you have this next year to to replace your left tackle. Because yeah, could they do it in the second round? Here's the problem: with a second round or a third round left tackle, which they could do, probably the best solution is to have Ronnie play one more year for that eight million, and then you have the guy who who has a chance to get strong in the building and learn the system, and he'll be a better opportunity better fit to jump in in his second year or maybe he comes in at right tackle or somewhere else where there's an injury half a season in it could be left tackle unfortunately you, so you've always mm-hmm. got to live with that possibility but i, I that's one of the reason i, I kind of still think the ravens are not going to are not going to do it and that's handicapping it from the outside in terms of you know what the ravens know the ravens may know ronnie stanley really doesn't want to play next year if they know that and that's really what they got. And it's going to be a fight to get him on the field, a fight to get him to practice, a fight, you know, all of that. Um, right. 
then then I, I would understand, I guess, why they would do it. But either way, very tough, heartbreaking day for Baltimore Ravens fans uh, will be the day Ronnie leaves. Agreed. Agreed. So that's going to be the main topic and remains to be seen. Maybe he comes back, refines his his form from uh, from last season down the stretch and, and plays well in the postseason. And, and it's a no-brainer to keep him around. So we'll see how it goes. Morgan Moses is um, also going to be under contract next mm-hmm. season, last year, $7 million, uh cap hit, um, 32 years old. So he's old, but he's not ancient. Uh, potential. That's cheap as hell for his for his oh, yeah. value right now. I mean, it's uh, – I guess, look, if you look at OTC, they've got him at $9.6 million, but it's it's – you know, it's not the it's not the seven million of cap number. It's the five point five million of savings. That's the meaningful money because that's what you would have if you cut him to go out and find somebody else to play that position. Dirt cheap. I mean, yeah. and he's still. You know, the, the problems with injuries have been a problem. If the shoulder injury were chronic, I would have some issues with keeping him. But he's one of the easiest choices of all of the mid to large money players to keep. I, I'd probably be more interested in extending him. For another year than than releasing him, you know, because I, I think offensive tackles usually, hopefully, age pretty well. Mm-hmm. It and is I think a his game. His game ages well. I mean, he's been very mobile, which has been such a shock in terms of you know how we've looked at the offensive line this year. Is it just been he's ridiculously still very mobile? He's able to do these tackle pulls to the far side, and the scoring system basically gives a freebie block. Um, a courtesy block when a, when a player runs his track and can't find anyone, he almost mm-hmm. always finds someone. It's it's mm-hmm. just it's remarkable his ability to get into level two, find a cornerback, find a safety, find whoever you got. He's got good field vision. Um, he's been a good pass blocker, uh, which has you know been something they've been able to depend on him for for this time here. Uh, and a lot of obviously big pass rushers in the north, but the uh, if you extend him, you do run a risk of getting into the old maid contract mm-hmm. situation and both he and Zeitler are in a similar position if either of them were extended for two years say the Ravens probably don't get two more years of play out of them they, they might get one or if they do it several times in a row they end up getting shorted a year at the end of the player's career now they know how to price for that I know but it's just I, I don't like I don't like going into a, a late contract 32 33 plus um, player, and then yeah. knowing you're probably not going to get the last year out of that contract. Yeah, it's essentially a void year. I mean, yeah. that's really what it boils down to. Um, I agree with you there, but I, I would just put him, you know, top five, probably easily top five in Eric DaCosta's best free agent acquisitions of his tenure so far. Um, next player is Patrick McCary, who is also still under contract, $6.4 million, uh, potential in $4.4 million in savings. Hmm. As a general theory, I do not like spending a large amount of cap space on uh, backup players or players that are not in the starting 22. Offensive tackle is a definite exception to that. I think um, we've seen Lamar, and at one point I thought Lamar uh, elevated tackles that he didn't need, but now I don't I don't believe that anymore. I think Lamar needs a, a competent level of tackle play, and McCarry has, has brought that. Yeah, I mean, he's been all over the place this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, obviously, both games against the Browns were very poor, but then he had a good game against Hendrickson and a, and a okay game against Hendrickson, where just recently where he fought well. 
but uh, he's a guy. I don't know. I'm. I'm. Um, I, I. I would not cut him to try and save the money. So let's start sure. here. So he's going to finish this contract. So the question really comes down to: Do you want to extend a player like that who is a super sub? And one thing I got. I need to know is: Is how old is Patrick McCary now? Is he 29 or something? Or how old is he? That sounds about right to me. Maybe 28. He's 26 and 100 oh. days. Wow. Yeah. I. I would. I. I gotta think. I would go ahead. I think I would go ahead and extend him if, if it can be done uh, for two more years at uh, on a similar deal, if that could be had. So they'll be looking at next year's deal and they'll be saying that might be a little bit too high, but we're not going to cut you for this. But we do want to give you the option of you take two more years here and then it, it, he's a sub. One of the issues with McCary is right now he's exclusively a backup tackle for the Baltimore Ravens and he could maybe play better on the inside somewhere. He could play better at center, I think, for certain. Um, and the Ravens have cheaper alternatives there, and they have no alternatives to tackle, so he's exclusively there. So he's not a six-man, I can play every position, versatility. The Ravens aren't trying to harvest that. The Ravens right. need him as a backup tackle, and, and I think that's if they keep him, that would be the reason. And, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, if, if, it, if, it, if the number were right around, you know, three to $4 million per year, I, I would be great with that for another couple of years. Agreed. I, I concur with McCary, and I would be okay if push came to shove and Ronnie does not have a, a strong uh, final third of the season to have have a two deep of McCary and a rookie, an early rookie draft pick, first or second round pick on the left side, and then Moses and Falele on the right side. It's not perfect, but I think it's beats – potentially beat or it makes that eight million dollars of savings for Ronnie worth worth the squeeze. So you you you, you can have that without doing anything because all three of those other guys are are under contract. It's just a matter of making the draft pick. And I guess what's your lowest? Because the, the comparable situation happened in, in 2018 or 19. 18 whatever whatever 18, right? When when Orlando Brown was drafted in the third round and they had James Hurst, they started him there in right. what was one of the most Funkified decisions I, I've seen in a long time. Decided to keep Hurst there for half a season, um, but uh, you know, and if, he played. If, and he played. He played decently. He he played uh, pretty right. well against Von Miller that one game, the Denver game, when uh, when Flacco was still quarterback. And Hurst is still kicking around. He's, he's starting some games for the Saints. He started almost a full year last year. I don't know. I don't know, Ken. It's just a tough place to be with Ronnie. I'm just trying to figure out what is the best the best of all worlds here where you can have that succession plan. Cause I think long-term I would like to maintain a top 10 offensive line throughout the duration of the Mars contract. Yeah. It's, that, it's I, one of the most important things on the team. Very reasonable. Very reasonable. I'm, I'm frankly unbelievably pleased with how this line has played the interior line, which had a lot of problems early in the season has pulled it together. All three positions, Linderbaum's elevated his pass blocking to, to a much higher level, which is the biggest change on the team offensively. He puts Brandon Stevens maybe on the defense, but he's the biggest biggest gain offensively. Zeitler has returned to 100%, maybe even like 115% of what you could help hope Zeitler would be at this point in his career. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously playing for a contract, and maybe we ought to talk about him next in terms of sure. what do you do with him. Sure, so um, 34 years old, so he's not, uh, you know, he's getting up there, but Guards are up there with uh, kickers as far as how old you can play, I think. Uh, OTC has him uh, valued at $9 million. Um, and just for what it's worth, 
Um, seven uh, left guards in the league make more than nine million. Huh. Sorry, seven right guards. Seven, but actually, seven right guards and seven left guards. But, but yeah, he's a right guard. So they've got void years added to his deal. Um, I, boy, 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 boy. So he's he's making. Oh, what's the total number? He's effectively making about nine and a half million this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what he'd want, what he'd want in terms of, of money. I'm sure he wants another contract at this point based on, on the fact he's done it. Lots of old made risk here. Um, and, right. and my fear of that was greater at the beginning of the season when you had a player who was really struggling to anchor um, than it is now, uh, where he's played six of the last seven games have been just terrific. So um uh, I I I just don't know if the Ravens can afford another cornerstone contract guard. And the option that they have here, I'm still very hopeful that's going to be one of the big dollar savings they can make in going to Andrew Voorhees. Yeah, I I think um Voorhees is an option. Um I was talking to Garnet about Voorhees though, and he pointed out that Voorhees had a pretty extensive injury history early in his college career. So just something to keep in mind. So basically the way I look at it, I think I'm okay moving on from Zeitler. You got to cut somewhere. You got to lose something. Mm-hmm. He is getting older, but I want to, I want a, a battle Royale competition for right guard. I don't want to hand it to Voorhees. I want Ben Cleveland in the mix uh, who may actually be better at right guard than he has been a left guard. Just hasn't had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You also have Salah. You have a, uh, both Doss and Manning, who are on the practice squad. I think if you have five guys competing for that spot, I feel pretty comfortable they'll find the right guy. But I think you probably want to have a veteran, a left guard in that, in that scenario, if uh, a, a low-cost veteran, not an expensive one, but like a John Simpson, if, if the price is right. Well, you know, Simpson is not going to be expensive. Um, he's got a, a penalty history that is just uh, outrageous and appears to be a repeating problem now because the Ravens have not really reduced his penalty rate. Um, I made the point that he'd gone five consecutive games without a penalty for the first time in his entire career. Uh, mm-hmm. Just this, this last week, which is incredible, you know, that a guy in, a, in his fourth year, you're at that point. But he's a he's a um, uh, he's a player that I think bears consideration for re-signing. He's he's pulled better and he's pass blocked better as the year has gone on. Uh, I think you you know one of the things I've liked is that he's a they seem to have honed his help blocking a little bit. So he's processing better from inside out, which at left tackle, I don't care whether you have Stanley there or a rookie, you need it or, or McCary. You need it in all three cases. Um, he's, uh, he's so he, he could be, he's a reasonable option to resign. And he is a two years, 4 million kind of guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything significant to, to sign him at this point. That could change by the way, in six weeks, if he's, if let's, let's roll that out 10 weeks, if in February he's getting a Super Bowl ring and um, he's blocked well through the rest of the season and the postseason, he's going to be more expensive. Um, right. But uh, OPC but should, has him at nine million. So something's something's a little buggy in their algorithm there. Yeah. They're valuing valuing him at nine million, which is it's it's above it's above his skis it's above his head for sure. But um, I don't know. A lot of moving parts on this offensive line. The, the one position that has some pretty good stability, obviously, is center with Linderbaum um, going to be entering his third season. When does the perfu- perf- proven performance escalator kick in, the third season or the, or the fourth? 
I might be the third, and he yeah, might I think be, something to be in line to be the third, and then in the fourth. So you get it during an ERFA year first, and then you get it during your RFA year the second time around. So players like Duvernay, who'd already been to a Pro Bowl, got a big bump this year, and who's the other one that's making exactly like four point three or four million? I'm trying to remember. Um, not coming to me, but I yeah, it, it's uh, I know you're talking. It's that Duvernay is the main one. Yeah, it might have – it wasn't Edwards because that would have been a, a, no. you know, a year ago or whatever. But, yeah, I, I can't remember either. So Linderbaum's your guy. I think, you know, he's really your only uh, building block, long-term building block on the line right now. You don't know what you have in Voorhees quite yet. The offensive tackles are aging and injured. And your left court, you know, is a, is a uh, cast-off. So – and making matters a little bit more complicated, uh, Mustafer, Sam Mustafer, the backup center, they signed away from the Bears, had a good year. He's having a good year. He's a UFA, valued at $4.5 million, which I was surprised <laughs> by. I would, like to, I would like to see maybe in garbage time, but can he – how does he look at guard? Can he play into the guard competition? Because then maybe it's a little bit more uh, incentive to bring him back. Both of those guys, both Simpson and Mustafer, will not earn close to that next year. So, no. so we can start. We can start with that. Um, is Mustafer a chance to get signed away? Yes, he's a big chance because he he probably is not real keen on playing behind Tyler Linderbaum, uh, even though opportunity could come up at guard or center. I think the Ravens will try and make an offer to him. Uh, one of the nice reasons to make an offer to a player like Mustafer is you might actually get a little bit of bump and pay somewhere else. You might also get that for Simpson. I mean, if Simpson were to really ball out for the next ten weeks. Um, you, you might end up with a you know a seven million dollar guard all of a sudden for multiple years that ends up contributing to the comp formula. The Ben uh, Powers uh, pipeline. There you go. Yeah, Powers very consistent for a whole year as a pass blocker. So anyway, he, he was a guy. Uh, you know, he's a guy I really liked. But anyway, the, the uh, Simpson is a um, a lesser version of Ben Powers. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All so, right. Well, yeah. Go ahead. I, I don't. I don't see Mustafa returning. I, sadly, I just don't think it really makes sense for him. He's been on and off the practice squad. He, I mean, they haven't even been able to activate him for a fair number of games. So while he's been a, a guy, I think could who could help the Ravens. I, I think this line is just a little too deep for him to contribute to. Yeah, it's a shame. You wish uh, he was a, a Linderbaum was a, a center or a guard. You know, you wish they wouldn't play the same position because mm-hmm. you like to keep them both. But they do both seem pretty typecast into almost center only. Type of prospects, type of players. Um, so yeah, a lot. A lot the offensive line, as we as we break this down, I mean, it needs a, a good bit of attention this offseason. So, would you are you thinking two draft picks at offensive line are a likelihood then, including an early tackle and a late something? I'd say yes, an early tackle and probably a. Well, if you mean if you retain one of the two veteran guards, I would say you could probably okay with just getting a a high-end tackle. But if not, yeah, you need to add more talent and competition into the mix. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That is that take us to the end? We've we've talked about every position, right? I think so, yeah. We, special teams we at all? Do you want, want to talk about that briefly? Um, Sure. Uh, you know, Jordan Stout's on his rookie deal. Um, the uh, long snapper, Eason, should be back, right? Uh, Nick Nick Moore, right? Nick Moore, yeah. Nick Moore, and Ott is currently here. Who's, Ott. who's have you noticed a year? difference between the two? No, not really. 
Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, we see Stouts having a good year. Um, it's long snapper is a position where you just want to you want to be the person nobody sees at the party. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> invisible. Mr. Yes. The invisible man. Yeah. And Justin Tucker is the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, I guess some of his long distance, he's not quite hitting at the same clip a long distance, but most of that's more being blocked than because he's missing them. So uh, you keep him as the highest paid kicker until he's ready to retire, in my opinion. Oh, he's, he's signed for four more years right now. Um, and his cap number is a very flat six and a half million. Well, it's 5.8 next year, and then 6.5, 6.5, 6.35. I think that ends up being a value deal, and I, I, I would agree. I think he makes it to the end of that contract uh, more likely than not. But uh, we might be we might be talking about the first time where can't afford to sign Justin Tucker or might not want to sign Justin Tucker after this deal. And that's it'll be a sad day. That sure will be a sad day. Um, that's my uh, my daughter's favorite player. She wears his jersey, but. Uh, yeah, he's been a, he's been a legend. I think a Ring of Honor member, and mm-hmm. six million is uh, a very fair price to pay for the most accurate kicker of all time and the most clutch kicker of all time. Yeah, and be headed to the Hall of Fame, and it'd be really nice to keep him in a Ravens uniform for the rest of his career. I think he is. He probably will be the first first ballot kicker of all time. Um, mm-hmm. There are people who say that's not going to happen. I I just. I, I don't see it. I think he's in an entire another league from uh, from the others. We haven't seen the decline phase yet from him, which is one of the reasons why he's still ahead in terms of uh, percentages of, of all the other kickers of all time. And so there's a risk that he drops out of that. But uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, in terms of metrics that we've we've talked about on this show, he's he's way ahead of, uh, of, of every other kicker in history in terms of uh, points above expectation. Um, his misses come from ranges where nobody else even tries to kick. Right. So it's nice to see. That. Sure. Especially outdoors. Especially outdoors. Yep. All right. Always a ton of fun to to talk football with you, Voss. I think we come to the end of the road here, unless there's anything you want to add. Uh, can you tell people where you can talk football with them? Sure. I am on Twitter X at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. And I am the co-managing editor and a writer, author for Baltimore Beatdown blog. And I have another podcast called At Raven's Way Pod. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there who want to be on a film study short, this is the perfect time this week and after the and during the bye week to get those uh, episodes in. I'm recording some this week and we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Got some analytics people on, got other people who have some just some interesting ideas about what the Ravens ought to do organizationally going forward that I think will make some, uh, you know, make some good content. And uh, hopefully we still have some things to listen to during that bye week. That'll be fun. For Vasilikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week on Friday Morning GM. We're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.